Hey, I'm sorry. Just laying down some dope tracks here and didn't see you there. But since you've already interrupted my sick flow, I might as well tell you about my new feature film, The Lego Batman Movie. Written, directed, sound mixed, choreographed, and painstakingly beatboxed by me. Because I'm Batman. In my spare time, I also cut together this trailer filled with some, but certainly not all, of my best hero moments and zingers. So enjoy it. Batman out. Wait, wait, wait. Batman back in. Forgot to drop the mic. Computer. I'm home. I'm home. I'm home. I'm home. I'm home. I'm home. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Mark Tiberius Lemke, Blackhawks fan. Yes, I got no, it. Right. No, it's Mark <laughs> Tiberius Lemke, Chicago Blackhawks. Ah, darn it! I thought I did good on the first try. <laughs> That's okay, Tim. That's okay. I mean, it's it, it, it's a long name, purposefully, because yes, we, but I was practicing. Yeah. I still messed up. I'm sorry, Mark. I ruined it. <laughs> but, you know, before we get into anything, um, did you watch this uh, this past uh, Super Super Bowl? I did watch the last quarter, but before we get full on, I should say the full intro. Oh, but I don't oh, forget. Right, right, right. This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network. So, as always, you can help support the Batman Universe by heading to patreon.com slash the Batman Universe. And be sure to take the Batman Universe survey at servermonkey.com slash r slash tbu feedback. Okay, so not my best intro, but it's out there. So. <laughs> well, I kind of stepped all over you, but... Um, it was because I messed up, so it all comes back to them. Yeah, so... Me botching the intro. So at, <laughs> I mean, at, at this point... Everybody's everybody at least has an idea of what happened during the Super Bowl, right? The the big comeback, right? Yeah, I mean, I since I'm not a football fan, I usually just check in on like the last quarter to see yeah. who's going to be the champion, and I tuned in at the right time apparently because that's what all like the Patriots comeback yeah. started. Yeah, so, but I will say, even though I'm not a football fan, I'm rooting against the Patriots because. Being a Yankee fan, we have the Red, Yankees Red Sox rivalry. I can't root for any New England <laughs> sports team. So, <laughs> well, I mean, the Patriots are the Yankees of the NFL. I mean, if you if you think about it, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Because yeah, was it five Super Bowls now? I think yeah. so. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so everybody knows there was the big comeback. But before I watched the Super Bowl, you know what I was watching, Tim? The Puppy Bowl. Yeah. No. <laughs> I was watching uh, Game Six of the 1986 World Series, <laughs> ah. <laughs> and everybody knows what happens, or at least I hope everybody knows what happened. What happened during that World Series? And hopefully, listeners of the podcast know because I think one of our rating scales was about, was about Bill Buckner. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> I think about that play. Yeah. yeah, I think we should change that that rating scale. I think it should just be the. Calvin Shirley, Bob Stanley rating scale. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're the ones who blew it, really. And uh, Bobby Ojeda and Rick Aguilera. I mean that that game was not a game of strong pitching. I mean you had Clemens in there, and Clemens was really good, but you don't think about him. You think about Bill Buckner, of course. You think about Mookie Wilson, Gary Carter, 
and you think about Kevin Chiraldi and Bob Stanley and Bobby Ojeda and Rick Aguilera and the, the terrible pitching, you know, in the late innings. So couldn't get one out, just one more out, and all that stuff happened. Yeah, I, I can't remember how many times were the were the Mets down to their their final out. Yeah, for at least four or five batters, I would think. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, so so I mean, I, I think it was a, I think it was a sign that I <laughs> that there was going to be a big comeback in the Super Bowl. I don't know. Except it was in the opposite favor for a New England team. Oh yeah, right, right. I forgot about that. But yeah, it was definitely something to watch. Like I said, even though me not being a football fan, it was so crazy to see all that go down <laughs> when the Falcons had a lead that big. They haven't won in a long time, I believe, right? I don't think they've ever won a Super Bowl. Oh, okay. Well, that makes it even worse. I wonder if this was their first Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Yeah, to come that close and then <laughs> to blow it the way they did. Oh, man, how are they going to survive this offseason without thinking about that every day? Yeah, yeah. And I think at like one point they were up 25, 26 points. To nothing, right? No, no, to three. It was like 28 to three oh, or something. 25 points. Yes. Yeah. Still, man, you've got to close that game yeah. out. Well, I mean, if, if if it's any indication, I mean, like, you, you as in a, Atlanta, I mean, uh, Atlanta Falcons fan. If you're an Atlanta Falcons fan, you know, j- just know that you're not alone. There's the 86 Red Sox. There's the uh, 2004 Yankees. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's still the worst blown lead of <laughs> ever. Yeah. Up 3-0. And, uh, don't I don't even anything. know how that happened. How did that happen, Tim? Uh, all because of a Kevin Millar walk <laughs> in the bottom of the ninth inning to lead it off. It was a walk. That... Well, I mean, at least your team made it to the ALC. I mean, to uh, yeah, the ALCS. Yeah, they're still to be the only team in baseball to blow a three zero lead. You don't want that on your resume. Yeah, but at least you were there. Unlike the Oakland Athletics. <laughs> Can't get out of the division series. Can't get out of the division series. Or, in the past two years, even make the playoffs. Yeah, they had a good run, though, in like 2012 and 13 when they weren't supposed to. So I don't think you can get on them too much. Yeah, yeah, I guess. But, you yeah. know, when you're competing against, you know, the Giants, and you're competing against, yeah. you know, the, the Yankees, if they ever get good again, uh, it's kind of hard. They'll be good yeah. in two years. <laughs> in two years. <laughs> when all those minor leaguers come on. <laughs> yeah. Which hopefully this year will be the start of seeing the fruition of all those trades they made last year and their farm system, I think, being either number one or two in Major League Baseball for like the first time ever, I think. <laughs> they always had a bad farm system because they traded them all off. But yeah. I'm definitely excited about the movement or the change of philosophy they're going about now, getting those young players. It's about time. Kind of makes me wonder why the the athletics even have a farm system. <laughs> well, they got well because they can't sign them. Yeah, they got to keep replenishing it, replenishing it, replenishing it. Yeah, since they can't sign any big free agents. Well, like you said, Rajay Davis. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's your big uh, splurge this offseason. I guess so. so. Watch out, American League West. <laughs> now, don't forget the A's are a big market team, Tim. 
That's right. See, that's why you were able to sign up <laughs> for a whopping what two years? <laughs> I, think, I think so. But it was funny because I was reading a, um, I was reading an article about the never-ending stadium debacle, right? Yeah. And uh, they they referred to the Coliseum as the gray toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> uh, one day, Dane. One day. One day. Yeah. We're going to record an episode, and you're going to be so happy that you have a new it's, it's not going to be in San Jose, Sacramento, or <laughs> any, anywhere in that area. Yeah, anywhere in the Still, Bay Area. As long as you get a new stadium. Maybe by the time we finish the Dark Knight Rises minute by minute commentary, Oakland A's will have a new stadium. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I. I highly doubt that, Tim. But here's the hoping. Yes. And speaking of which, perfect segue, we can get into our Dark Knight Rises minute-by-minute commentary. We are on minute 76. We're, sad to say, past the big Bane-Batman fight, which lasted a good amount of episodes, so it was, that was great. But things are going to be quiet and more slower-paced scenes, so if you're ready to follow along with this, get your HD DVD player, beta tape, laser disc, your projector, VHS, as you say now, Dane, soon to be Blu-ray. Yeah. <laughs> HD, DVD, did and you say that one? I oh, got okay. that one. So I think the I got data? everything covered. Got okay. data. We're all good then. All right. So I'll go to start the countdown in three, two, one, play. There's John Blake knocking on the door. Probably really wants to sit on that couch again. Yeah, yeah, and have a very long scene. <laughs> yeah. Hey, at least he's like back in the city of Gotham now. You've already spotted Selena. Yeah. Well, the first shots we got, what, in the second trailer? Yeah, this scene right or here. Or what's the first trailer with Selena yeah, going to the airport? It was in the first trailer, I think. Yeah, I think you might be right. And that cop gets knocked out pretty quick. <laughs> like how John like just casually flashes the badge, like, yep, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and you're not going to punch me through a hat. <laughs> and the interrogation begins. But we're not going to get very far because the minute's up. <laughs> but we made it through a few good scenes in there. Like, we moved along pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah, which is good. I mean, because it's going to be a while until we even see Bruce, let alone Batman, right? No, I think we'll see Bruce pretty soon, actually, where Bane's talking to him in prison. At least we get to see Bane. Yeah, Batman's a long way off the latch, for sure. (laughs) So maybe by that time, the Oakland A's will get a stadium, too. So (laughs) one of those two things, when we see Batman or when we finish the comic. Oh, man, Tim. They they need a new stadium in Oakland. Like yesterday. In Oakland. <laughs> I mean, just knock down the Coliseum and build a new one. Because the it looks like the Raiders aren't going to be there. So it doesn't need exactly. to be. Exactly. I think that'll help them, actually. Yeah, it doesn't need to be a, a dual stadium. It You know, football, baseball. I mean, it could just be a baseball stadium. Well, I think that's the only one left. That is a dual stadium. Yeah, it is. Yeah, in baseball. Yeah, yeah. It was the only and it shows that was shared. I mean, 
you you have fields like Fenway, and you have fields. I, I think I've said this before. Uh, you know, you have fields like Fenway. You have fields like uh, Wrigley. Um, I guess Camden Camden Yards is one. Is another one. Um, you don't get the same feeling that you do when you look at the Coliseum. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> I don't think any stadium. Well, maybe Tropicana Field, like that in Oakland and the Coliseum. They're like the two worst stadiums in baseball. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they probably, <laughs> they probably are. I mean, well, I mean, the, the the new Yankee Stadium, I don't even know why they needed a new stadium. I mean, to put those luxury seats in there. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I was not happy about that. It's nice, but still, it's not the same. So, so what is the 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 location of the old Yankee Stadium now? Just like a a field where like kids can play oh. at, so it's almost just like a park. Type yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. I see. It's like right across the street, so those kids are playing on hollow ground, <laughs> <laughs> but the major league players are not. <laughs> and if if I'm not mistaken, um, isn't the uh, you know where the Golden State Warriors play the basketball team? Isn't okay. it right next to the Coliseum? That I'm not sure. Oh. on don't really follow where the actual yeah. basketball yeah, thing is for them, but it might be. I could have swore when I was watching the NBA Finals, um, I could see the Coliseum, but I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> like, what's that ugly stadium, like, in the middle of the what's city? Gray thing? <laughs> oh, it's the Coliseum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the Bay Area is a beautiful place, but what's that gray thing over there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I said, is that, is that a big toilet bowl or something? <laughs> I mean... At this point, I'd be happy if the A's moved to one of their closest minor league affiliates. I mean, that's what the, the San Jose Sharks do. I mean, they they, they share a arena with their minor league team. So, so I mean, why not do that already? I mean, at this point. <laughs> Maybe they're just too embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> but, I don't know. Try to check. Uh, Things will look better I'm in the trying. future. I mean, the, the, this Lego <laughs> movie has me excited, Tim. So... You know, I'm, yeah. I'm looking at the positive. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me get you more excited about the Lego movie because that's going to be our feature topic for this episode. I just got to see it on Thursday and glad to say it was really, really good. I mean, heard good things about it going into it. It's getting good reviews. And from the trailers, it looked like this is a fun take on Batman. And I've never seen the original Lego movie, though, from a few years ago. Did you, Dane? Uh, no, I haven't. No. Okay, yeah. I mean, I've heard that was really good. I know Batman played a kind of a big part in that one, but I've yet to seen it. But when they announced there was a full Lego movie coming out just about Batman, that one I had to <laughs> see in the theater. So, <laughs> but yeah, did a good job of just honoring the little history and legacy of Batman, yet being funny, doing its own thing. And I, I just really <laughs> loved all the references they had in this movie. They were just really cool to see. They covered almost every big... Batman movie. Probably the one they referenced and made jokes about the most was the Adam West one, which is kind of typical. But you had quotes from uh, the 89 movie in there and uh, they had they show clips, or this is one of my favorite parts of the movie. And I should say, I guess, before going in, I'll be going into some spoiler details on there. So if you haven't seen the Lego movie yet, you don't want to be spoiled on anything, you might want to hold off in here in this part, but there's really not any big, major 
plot twist or revelations <laughs> that you would expect in a normal Batman movie. But still, there's some surprises in there that are worth you know checking out for the first time. But um, one of my favorite parts was Alfred was talking to, to Bruce how he's kind of going through uh, a weird phase right now. And he tells him, you went through this in 2016, 2012, 2008, 2005, 1997, 1995, 1992, 1989. <laughs> 1966, and even like the weird, your weirdest phase in 1920 or 30s, like with those old serials. <laughs> so at each time they show, he said those years, they showed a quick scene from the, all the Batman movies in Lego form, like Dark Knight Rises, Batman v Superman, The Dark Knight. They're just like a quick little shot. If I'm remembering correctly, it might be it's like some images of the posters too, but still, it was really funny. And you got that going out throughout the whole movie. And I just loved how it started started with uh, the Joker making this big attack on Gotham City, trying to cause an explosion, and he brings in every Batman villain you could possibly think of. I'm sure he left somehow, but <laughs> you talk about D-listers and E-listers and F-lister <laughs> villains, they were all in there. They even made reference to that, like, as the news reporter was calling their name, he be like, yep, these are real villains, you could check. <laughs> like, yeah, like, uh, Crazy Quilt in there, I believe, but they had, uh, I, I love how Condiment King is becoming more prominent in Batman. Now. <laughs> he was in the recent Batman comics as a joke, and now he was in the Lego movie. So the Condiment King can now say he was in a Batman movie, <laughs> which is pretty. What about Egghead. Egghead was wow, in there. Yep. Wow. Uh, King Tut. <laughs> King Tut. <laughs> Kite Man was in there. <laughs> yeah, all the crazy ones you can think of. They were they were in there in some capacity, and even the main villains, of course. Uh, the Joker played the biggest role, but when they were all together, they each had their moments. I loved <laughs> Bane in this movie because he was—he has a classic uh, mask on, like he does in the comics. But he had the jacket he has on in The Dark Knight Rises, and he didn't have a lot of dialogue. But when he did talk, he did sound like Tom Hardy's Bane, <laughs> which sounded pretty funny. So that who was did the cool. voice for that one? I'd have to look that oh. one up. Unfortunately, I don't know, but he did a good job. <laughs> Whoever did his voice, but the basic plot of the premise of the movie how it gets started was how like a joker brings all his villains to try to destroy gotham and batman and you've seen this one moment in the trailer where joker tells batman like oh, i'm your greatest enemy and batman's like no i don't have a greatest enemy and that hurts the joker's feelings to get that little sad face <laughs> and that's what that upsets the joker but because you know they, they play it off you know like they're in a relationship but it's a Joker wants him to hate him and all that type of stuff. So it worked for the plot of this movie that's supposed to be more of a com- comedic take on Batman. It was funny. But there's great moments with Batman in this. I mean, it's totally, you know, a, like I said, a comedic take and almost a parody of Batman. But it worked for the context of the movie. And Will Arnett does a great job of voicing him. Um, though, and you see this in the trailer, too. What's one of my favorite parts of the movie, actually, is when he just comes into the bat cave and he just like shouts out like computer i'm home i'm home i'm home i'm home and there's no one there but that continues on in a longer sequence where you just see him throughout wayne manor still have his bat cowl on but in his bathrobe <laughs> just going to wayne manor all by himself microwaving lobster thermidor seeing a, a movie in his big theater room just by himself <laughs> just little things that crack me up where he's having trouble finding the right setting on his tv like hdmi one. Oh wait that's not it gotta go to hdmi 2 <laughs> and his movie starts playing it's little things like that that work in the context of how bruce slash batman operates when he's on his alone time <laughs> it's just funny but the what's also great about the movie is 
the core of the story and at the heart of it was very true to Batman. I mean, I said it before where the aspects I love seeing stories about Batman is what motivates him as far as his parents' murder and trying to make them proud. And there was a great moment at the beginning where he's just looking at pictures of him and his parents. One of them was this uh, like at the movie theater right before they were killed. They don't mention that, of course, but, you know, any Batman fan would know what happens after that. But you see him talking to them, just talking to the picture, you know, going, I'm hoping what I'm doing makes you guys proud. And it was just good to hear that because, you know, I've complained about <laughs> or one of the recent Batman comics where Bruce had a line that said, you know, my parents would probably be laughing at me for what I'm doing. But, yeah, and I wasn't a big fan of that, but I was glad to hear that that was taken into this movie as the heart of it where what Bruce is doing is because of his parents and he likes to think that they would be proud of him. And throughout the whole course of the movie, you know, Batman is really this like ego driven guy who's like full of himself but at, it works because as the story goes on he meets uh, Dick Grayson who wants to be adopted and but Bruce doesn't want anyone doesn't want a family like he even keeps Alfred at a distance and it's all because as we learn out learn throughout the movie he doesn't want to lose anyone close again because that experience of Luda's parents is uh, hurts him very much still and he pushes people away at that and we you know that's been uh, incorporated in different Batman stories before, but it worked really good in this one, and <laughs> amongst all the great comedy bits that you get in this, so it was just a great balance of being funny, but yet having a good, heartful story that was true to Batman in the end. So I really liked it. Some of my favorite uh, standout scenes where he takes him and Robin go out on their first mission together. He's because the whole point of it is he wants Joker surrenders and all the villains to Barbara Gordon who's the new commissioner because he wants to prove to Batman that if he can you know if he's not around Batman will start to miss him and he wants to get put in the phantom zone because uh, he sees Superman on a, on a news interview saying how he just put generals on in the phantom zone and so he gets taken into Arkham Asylum with all the other villains because he wants to prove that you know Batman needs all of them but Batman thinks he's up to something so he decides to keep Gotham City safe. He's going to steal the Phantom Zone projector from Superman and put Joker in there just to make sure he doesn't try anything while he's locked up in Arkham. But Superman has the Phantom projector under this high security that no one can penetrate. So he needs someone who's more leaner and, in his own words, expendable to get it. And that's where he brings in uh, Dick Grayson to go with him uh, to, to get that Phantom projector. But, he, of course, he gets he has a uh, Dick Grayson eventually gets his Robin costume. <laughs> that was a funny moment where you see all these different Batman costumes being brought down the line. You even see like the Batman Beyond costume, like a Nightwing costume that he wears later on. But the Robin costume is actually <laughs> labeled Reggae Batman on there because of the colors. Reggae it does look like something that you would see like in, in Jamaica. <laughs> so it, Dick Grayson goes in there, but he does some modifications of it, and then it becomes a classic Robin suit. <laughs> so they go in there, they sneak into the Fortress of Solitude or he has Robin sneak in and that he's going to distract Superman by just knocking on the door. I love how the doorbell was the classic Superman theme song <laughs> when he rings it. So he goes, Batman, Superman answers the door, Batman talks to him and it turns out Superman's having this big Justice League party but Batman wasn't invited. <laughs> and so you see all the different Justice League members in there which was pretty funny. And Robin steals the Phantom Zone projector, but it was just a great dynamic with how Batman and Robin were. Batman was giving him instructions, and Robin was following him. 
Batman's still taking all the credit. He doesn't want to give any credit to Robin. Thinking, saying like, oh, you did great, but actually I did great because you, it was my great uh, teaching skills and you were a good listener, but it was because of me that you were able to get it. So it's more of that Batman being full of himself, but he's doing it because he doesn't want anyone to get close to him. And even Robin's like, oh, I want to give you a hug. Like, you're you're my dad. And the Batman's like, no, but it's all because of me. <laughs> and again, it... it kind of makes Batman seem like a jerk, but by the end, you know where he's coming from, or it all ties in where he just doesn't want to lose anyone close to him. So that, that was a funny sequence in seeing all the Justice League members there. So Batman eventually gets to Arkham Asylum and puts Joker in the Phantom Zone, but he gets locked up because Barbara Gordon, you know, as the new commissioner, doesn't didn't want him to do that. So he, she locks him up in Arkham, and Joker is in the Phantom Zone. And I was, this is one of the parts that took me for a surprise. Joker's in there, and I was expecting him to see like a bunch of Superman villains and DC Comics villains. But it turns out, in there was a bunch of classic movie villains, like the Wicked Witch of the West. He had uh, Voldemort from Harry Potter. And then my favorite, the, just the Eye of Sauron was in there. <laughs> and he played a pretty big role as far as uh, the final sequence, because Joker gets them all out of there, and they start their attack on Gotham. So that was pretty funny and unexpected. Where I was expecting, you know, just classic DC characters, but you get all these different movie villains. Like King Kong was even in there. The Eye of Sauron is causing lava to come up through the city, and he's able to see anyone and anything in Gotham, so he's able to pinpoint where Batman is and where uh, Wayne Manor is. So they made good use of Sauron, which I was not expecting in a Lego Batman movie. But it all worked out in just a, a cool, funny way. And so the, the movie ends where... This is maybe one of my nitpicks of it. It's kind of a little similar to how the 1966 uh, latest Adam West animated movie was, Return of the Cape Crusaders ended, where Batman has to not only team up with Alfred Robin and Commissioner Barbara Gordon, who gets a Batgirl suit, uh, the four of them, which would have been cool, but they end up releasing all the other inmates of Arkham, like all the classic Batman villains. So they're all working together to stop these other villains, which kind of what happened in the animated movie of the Adam West one so that felt a little too similar and I thought it worked a little better in the Return of the Cape Crusaders but this is a little minor nitpick it reminded me of that but so of course they save the day Batman reveals to the Joker or shares his hatred for him which makes the Joker happy so <laughs> their relationship got mended out where they both hate each other and he recognizes uh, Joker as his greatest villain ever and they save the city in kind of a ridiculous way but again it's a Lego movie <laughs> so it kind of fits for that so yeah it was it was lots of fun I enjoyed it what made it for me was all the cool Batman references that we got from his history they even Joker even says you know I'm like over 75 years old and you would think you know stuff like that so they recognize the history even as the characters which was pretty funny so I, I really liked it I'd highly recommend it I think you'll get a kick out of it Dane like my only other nitpick I mean this is just from because it annoys me so much and it played into the movie that Batman's annoyed with it too Robin's love for pop music <laughs> where sometimes when those songs play like at the final battle at the end credits it, it was like yeah, I know it's for a younger audience and it's as a joke, but there's something about that type of music that still felt off to me about it. So <laughs> that was another little nitpick I have, but it wasn't a deal breaker. Sure. But nowhere near as good as the heavy metal theme song Batman wrote for himself at the beginning, which was pretty awesome. He wrote it for himself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the lyrics on it are funny. <laughs> so yeah, if I were to score it, I'd probably give it 
a solid four out of five. I, I really dug it. I mean, uh, I saw it get good reviews. I know people are already ranking it. Like, where is it in the amongst the other Batman movies that we've gotten? That's kind of hard to do because it's almost kind of what we're talking about with Rogue One. Where it's kind of hard to rank it. Same with this one. It's on a totally different level as far as where the other live action movies are on. So you kind of got to appreciate it for for what it is. Yeah, it's definitely going to be better and more enjoyable for some, but <laughs> I don't know exactly where I'd rank it because it's so different. But because I've seen people say, "Oh, it's, it's the second best." Batman movie after the Dark Knight, or it is the greatest Batman movie ever. Like, I won't go that far. I mean, it's really good. It's a good Batman movie, but it's not the best of what we got. Like, on the level of the Dark Knight, Mask of the Phantasm, Batman Begins, 89, stuff like that. So, you just gotta go in and perspective and knowing what it is in the context of the film and when you do you'll be in for a really really good time and just be laughing at all the cool easter eggs and references as a diehard batman fan so yeah definitely go see it if you haven't yet and uh, hopefully i didn't spoil it too much for you if you listen to it anyway but <laughs> i think you'll get a kick out of all the other stuff and seeing it for yourself so yeah definitely check it out the lego batman movie is definitely a big success so tim with that being said is it better than Batman versus Superman. See, that's one of those things that I'm going or talking about where they're totally different. And no, 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 stuff no, I no, love. Tim. You have to pick one. <laughs> you see, there's stuff I like more in Batman v Superman than in the Bat Lego movie, but <laughs> if you're looking at a well-put-together movie that's structured good and know what it's trying to yeah. do, then yeah, you could say Lego Batman <laughs> is a better movie. But at the same time, there's... I can't say I enjoy it more than Batman v Superman because there are stuff I really liked in Batman v Superman that I was dying to see in the live action movie for the first time. But yet, nah, see, it's a hard choice because there's stuff I'm disappointed in Batman v Superman. So yeah. <laughs> you could say it's a probably a better made movie though than Batman v Superman. Okay, all right. But again, they're on totally different <laughs> levels. That it's not even fair to compare the two. <laughs> That was another thing I got to say I was glad it. It could have been easy for them to joke and poke fun at Batman v Superman because that's like the cool thing to do now. But they didn't do it. They just put it in there with the rest of the history of Batman movies, which I thought was good. They didn't make it a punchline, which kind of I was worried about. That's Like I said, it's the thing to do now and joke about it. But they didn't. They just honored it like the other movies. So I thought that was cool. And I should say, too, I know I said Will Arnett did a good job as far as voicing Batman, but the whole voice cast was really good to it. I mean, uh, uh, Zach Galifianakis as Joker was funny. Michael Sarah was a different but funny take on Robin. And Rosario Dawson was good as Barbara Gordon in Batgirl. So, yeah, all the voice performances were good in it, too. Was it better than Suicide Squad? Dan, it's going to be going down all the Batman movies and asking me what's better than it. <laughs> all right, so is it better than Batman and Robin? To that, I could definitely say yes. Better than Batman and Robin. Better than uh, Batman Forever. Eh, probably better than Batman Returns. Okay. All right. So, yeah. That's my review of the Lego movie. Hopefully you guys check it out and have the same reaction I did. Hopefully you have the same reaction I did too, Dane. I'm sure. Because, I mean, the, the, the trailer looked funny, you know, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely either going to see it or, you know, when it comes out on uh, soon to be not the the best thing, Blu-ray. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> or just digital. 
which if I were to guess, I'd probably say to be out like June, probably yeah. something around there, like beginning of summer. Yeah. yeah. So, I'm wondering yeah. when. Um, hopefully, uh, Rogue One is going to come out. That should be out in April. Oh, in April. Oh, okay. They haven't officially said it yet, but there's been rumors and just basing off when the Force Awakens come out, it'll be probably the same thing. Yeah. So so probably like like late March for the digital. There, for The Force Awakens, it was actually good where it wasn't like a two-week yeah. wait where the digital came out first. It was only like a weekend. It came oh, out like see. a Friday, and then the Blu-ray came out the next two. Yeah, days. yeah. Which, if it was any longer than that, I probably would have got the digital copy and the Blu-ray <laughs> copy, but <laughs> I was able to hold out those few days. Extra days. <laughs> you didn't want to do that for Suicide Squad, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I, did, I remember with Suicide Squad, I was asking, can you rent yeah. these? I was like, no, you can only buy them when they're this early. Like, oh, <laughs> how out of the loop I am with buying digital stuff. Yeah. But anyway, moving on from the Lego Batman movie onto the main DC movies, the DCEU, got some bad news about a week ago <laughs> where Ben Affleck announced that he will not in the Batman movie, which was a big disappointment to hear. So I believe it was at the end of January, came out with a statement, and I'll just real quick, where he says, there are actors who hold a special place and performing this role demands passion and the very... It has become clear that I cannot job to the level they requested with the studio. I've decided to partner in a director who will collaborate with me on this massive film. I'm still in this, and we are making it. We are currently looking for a director. Extremely committed to this, and look forward to bringing it around the world. Difference than... A few, like a month ago or so, when it was on Jimmy Kimmel saying, yeah, I'm directing it. <laughs> I mean, part of me wonders if he was even decided back then when he said that, where he knew he wasn't going to do it, but it was just kind of safe face. So, yeah, this, I mean, regardless of what the majority of people think of the DC movie so far, I know it has its fans who love it and those who hate it, but I think everyone was definitely looking forward to a Ben Affleck-directed Batman movie, and now that we're not getting it. I mean, it was a bummer because how many directors now have these DC movies lost with The Flash and now with Batman and uh, even Wonder Woman early on lost its director on that. So it's, yeah, disappointing here, especially with Ben Affleck being so good as Batman and having the resume he did as a director. I know Live By Night (laughs) was kind of his first bomb, but before that, he had a reputation of being one of the best directors and then knowing that he was going to be doing the Batman film had everyone excited. So it's definitely a bummer. And uh, part of me just thinks, like, what happened? I mean, I don't know. It just seems like he would have known the pressures about doing directing and playing batman when he first you know decided to do this so this makes me wonder there's something else going on behind the scenes that making him not want to be fully involved in this project we're just wanting to play it but not be director that just because like he doesn't want to split responsibilities like he said in that statement but at the same time (laughs) it's kind of hard to take him at his word what he just said a few weeks before that that he was definitely directing it so i don't know we'll probably never find out the exact reason yeah I just hope that he still plays Batman because I know there's been some talks where people are thinking, I'm not even so sure he's going to play Batman <laughs> in this movie. I mean, we still got a long way to go for something to happen where he could drop out. So that'd be worst case scenario. But yeah, it was definitely surprising and disappointing when I heard that. I wonder if it was time. Do you think it was time? Yeah, I mean, he wasn't given enough. That's really possible too because I know Warner Brothers, I think the plan was to have this out next yeah. year. And they're supposed to start shooting this spring, so then maybe he just couldn't do it. Right, right. 
but thankfully some news that came out yesterday where <laughs> looks like they already have a, re- a replacement director lined up and it appears it's going to be Matt Reeves and it was reported yesterday that Warner Brothers has offered him uh, to direct it and all signs point to it looks like it's going to be the case where he'll take it but it's not I think a done deal just yet but it looks like he will be the director of the next Batman movie and I'm excited about that too I mean I think it's uh, would be a even though the disappointment with Ben Affleck no longer directing it, this would be a choice that I'd still be excited to see his version of a Batman movie because uh, Matt Reeves directed the last Planet of the Apes movie and he's directing the one coming out this summer, War of the Planet of the Apes. And I love Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I thought it was really good. I liked the first one, but I thought the second one was even better. And I think this next one looks really good. And it's just continuing on from what he did with that second one. And just to see what he can do with Batman... Um, I'm excited for it. So it's almost kind of like a nice consolation prize. But at the same time, that kind of sounds a little bad where it's not giving him the credit he deserves because he's so far from the movies I've seen. He is a great director, and I think he can do you know something really good with Batman. So what do you think on Matt Reeves directing the take the Batman and taking over for Ben Affleck? He's definitely a, you know, a good director. I uh, like the Apes movies and... Um, Hey, try anything, I guess. I mean, at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, I don't want them to try anything. <laughs> well, I mean. I don't want them to say, let's give Joe Schumacher another shot. I mean, why not? <laughs> I, I, I say, why not? I mean, you you got to try something. I mean, and I, I mean, I guess Matt Reeves is a good director. And, I mean, if, if he can turn this thing around. I mean, the, the, there was also stuff about the script. uh it, it was going to yeah, be rewritten, true. or you know, if it was going to be re- rewritten, um, or if they're going to stick with the the, the the original script, and I don't know, it it, it 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 something doesn't sound right to me. I mean, I, I I know Matt Reeves is a good director, and it's it's this sudden change, you know, Ben Affleck's not going to direct it anymore, and is it there's this whole thing with the script and now we're bringing in Matt, Matt Reeves for this, you know? Something, something just doesn't sound right. I mean, it, it, it doesn't sound like things are going correct, correctly, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I hear you. I totally agree. I mean, I for, I'm glad you mentioned the script because I forgot to mention that where, yeah, there were reports where, you know, they're going to do a page one rewrite or... Uh, Chris Terrio was coming in to do some rewrites on it from Ben Affleck's and Jeff John's script. And then I think just yesterday, too, it kind of came out where it was possibly where they already have a script turned in that Ben Affleck and Warner Brothers are really happy with. But now with bringing Matt Reeves in, he might want to take a crack at that script, too. And I just hope they take their time because what I really don't want is they just bring in someone to shoot and direct the movie with no creative input. Who's not, his heart's not yeah. really into it. I think when you bring a director like Matt Reeves, he's someone who would, you know, want to put his heart and soul into the movie and do what he wants to do. So this could maybe push it back longer where he might uh, need to do a rewrite or go over the script or the writers for it to make some changes. So if, if it takes longer, fine. I mean, just make the best movie you can make with this. But I do agree with you where something doesn't feel right about it now where, like I said before, this is the movie that everybody was excited about with uh, the talent behind it and with Ben Affleck directing and starring in it. So, But now we got these little hiccups in there 
it just makes you yeah i'm sorry i can't help but say it, but just a little weary about it where before you know i was just super excited yeah. and stoked for it which i still am i mean once we see a trailer for it I mean, i'm sure we're all gonna be geeking out over it but now it's just unfortunate that the production of this movie had this little snag on it which will you'll probably think back on and kind of gives you a little pause con- for concern if you notice anything that you know just might not seem right about it which is unfortunate so i just hope they just take the time and i know warner brothers is just anxious to probably get this out as soon as possible but just take your time even if it's 20 uh, 20 or i know i think they're shooting for 2019 now but if it takes longer then fine so yeah i mean i mean just it, I, it's a, something doesn't sound right but the the whole script thing it it's happened before i mean look at episode seven with um yeah uh sorry i'm forgetting um michael Arndt, right Mm-hmm. You know, the, he he was writing the script, and then J.J. Uh, Abrams and Kasdan took took it over. Um, you know, th- this has happened before, and Episode Seven was a great movie. So it's it's something to keep in mind, I guess. But for me, it it just doesn't sound right. You know, it's the, the director. Now there's this whole thing with the script, um, and uh, another release date. Yeah, and I know he said it in that statement. I just hope Ben Affleck, you know, was just not. And we're kind of talking about it too a few episodes ago where I just always burnt out on, you know, just keep getting asked about (laughs) the Batman movie. I just wonder if he's kind of, you know, he's just going to do this and then that's it. I mean, that's it. That's it for his time with Batman. Maybe just, you know, it didn't work out for how we thought it would be. So I I just hope he, he says he is. And like I said, I I would like to take him at his word when he says that. But there's a part of me, like I said, with people thinking they he might not star in the movie too. I don't think that for myself, but part of me thinks where he just kind of maybe wants to do it to get it over with, and then he'll be done with Batman, <laughs> which would be disappointed. Yeah, um, you know, I was wondering, like, is who, who, who's more sick of answering these kind of questions, um, Ben Affleck about the Batman movie or Daisy Ridley about <laughs> about episode eight? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think it's Ben Affleck. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, like every single one of his late night appearances is about yeah. you know this Batman movie. So yeah, not to mention like you said, the or like I I said earlier, I live by night bomb, yeah. but yet nobody cares about that. They just keep asking about the Batman, the Batman, the Batman. Yeah. So I just kind of wonder is like like. Why did I take this off? <laughs> I hope he doesn't feel that way, but sometimes it just you kind of get the impression that maybe he does think that sometimes, or it's like, okay, no, no, I still got to do this, but let me just take a step back. Was Batman the reason why um, uh, what was the name of his uh, his movie? Live yeah, by Live Night. by Night. It, now was Batman the reason why Live by Night he wasn't that good? Because he had to focus I mean, on uh, Batman. I think it could have played a part. Yeah, because yeah. he finished Batman v Superman. He had to go into Justice League. And remember, the reports that, that he kind of got into a more active role in Justice League as far as how the character is going to be portrayed after the backlash of Batman v Superman. So like, as far as like the script goes and becoming like a producer on it. So maybe he took on more responsibilities than he was expecting with that which maybe had some aspects of Live by Night suffer. So maybe it is kind of those things where Batman is just coming, like taking over his uh, uh, career as an actor and director or whatnot. And 
kind of other things maybe suffered as far like live by night maybe so you never know and it could maybe play into him not wanting batman just to be the solely the sole focus on everything he does now which he's gonna just focus on playing and not directing so that could have played into it too yeah yeah it's disappointing but again i'm still gonna be excited for this batman movie i'm like the choice of matt reeves and think they could put something together that'll be a special batman movie so just going to be a little while longer but before we get the batman movie we know we got aquaman coming in 2018 and it has been announced that black manta will in fact be in the movie i mean it was announced about a month or two ago that uh ocean master was going to be in it played by patrick wilson and it kind of made you think they're going to save black man nope black manta will be in the uh let's see if i can pronounce the actor's name right uh in the second who I've never seen him in anything, but I think he's known for a series called The Get Down. He's going to be playing Black Manta in Aquaman, so didn't you know specify as far as how big his role is going to be. If it's going to be a setup, maybe they'll introduce the character, but he won't be Black Manta until a sequel or something. I don't know, but I just hope he has that costume and we see his uh, awesome helmet in the live action for the first time because he definitely has one of the best costumes for a DC villain, and it'll be cool to see that on screen. So definitely glad he's in it. And then it also looks like... Uh, Tamora Morrison, who will always be known as Django Fett in the clones, <laughs> is going to be playing Aquaman's father. So that should be cool to see him in another DC movie. Right. <laughs> Django Fett. He was also Abin Sur in Green Lantern. And even though he was barely in it, he did a good job as Abin Sur. I would love to see more of him as that character, but he's getting another crack at a DC movie, which will hopefully do better than Green Lantern did. Yeah, but I mean, come on, Django Fett. How can you top that? <laughs> Yeah, that's for darn sure. <laughs> I mean, what other costume that he's going to wear in a movie will be cooler than that one? <laughs> All right, so that's it for the news topics that's gone on the last two weeks, and we can go in and get into our conversation with Alex and listener feedback. So, Dane, I'll throw it to you, to Alex. All right, so, hey, Mark, Ty Beers, and Lem- Lemon Keys, a Chicago Blackhawks car. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, a better job at the intro than I did. Uh, thanks again for another great episode. A great podcast, Art. I haven't complimented you on that in a while. Sorry, f- sorry for being such a slacker. That turtle is groovy. <laughs> well, I liked it, Alex. <laughs> oh. I, I did a search for TMNT uh, Batman, Batman yeah. since I gave uh, Batman and TMNT issue four as my favorite issue last year, so I had to do a Batman TMNT <laughs> theme. And I didn't want to just do like a... Uh, cover or artwork from that comic series so that was a piece of art that came up and go, that'd be perfect i also have to thank you for keeping us up with the most intricate commentary known to man uh, mankind <laughs> <laughs> will you guys be seeing the lego batman movie i won't be able to see it but i'm looking forward to your review if you do one i'm sure it will be fun even if dean kane isn't involved right dean kane wasn't in there tim as far as I know, he wasn't uh, in it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Unless he was played a part I didn't recognize. I am not going to be watching Lego Batman movie if Dean Kane isn't involved, is uh, what I say. <laughs> then maybe you should hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Lego Batman looks like the Batman I need, but not the one I deserve. Dare I say, it even looks better than the animated series. Uh-oh, Tim. Uh, okay, Alex, let's not get carried away here now. <laughs> As you just heard, you know, I really liked the Lego Batman movie. It was great, but yeah, <laughs> it's not on the level of the animated series. No, I do not, because I do not want Tim to be stabbed in the heart. It looks really fun, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it is, yes. You know what film I'm watching instead? 
your favorite film name, Birdman, or The unex- Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. I watched a half hour of it, and all I could think was, save me, Lego Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I agree. Um, and Tim, I've been listening to reviews for Dragon Ball Super on YouTube every week since it started in 2015 in Japan. I think they're on episode 77. I will watch Super eventually because nothing is more jovial for me than Dragon Ball. Except the Mark Tai B-Ears the Monkeys in Chicago Blackhawks podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm glad you're keeping up at least uh, with the reviews out, it's because I just, like I said, started watching it, uh, both when it airs on Cartoon Network, dub, but then I've been watching the subtitled ones that are online, and it's been really, really good. <laughs> I mean, as a Dragon Ball fan, it's the perfect follow-up to Z, and th- thankfully erases what GT... Well, I don't should say erase, but GT wasn't a great follow-up to Dragon Ball Z, and Super it definitely is, so yeah. Oh, can't wait for you to start watching it, because I think you'll love it just as much as I am right so there, now. So it's Dragon Ball... Dragon Ball Z, Dragon mm. Ball. Before it was Dragon Ball GT, GT. but th- they kind of retconned that and saying it's not canon anymore. So now it's just Dragon Ball Super is the next oh, series. Okay, I see. Which is good because Dragon Ball GT was not. That oh great. really? Nah. Wait, why is that? Stories weren't that good. They're just kind of. Villains weren't great. They were recycling things. The main character Goku, they had him turn back into a kid for some reason, which you know didn't really add anything to the story. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, this, the the way the characters uh, wound up it was I forget how many years passed. It was almost like twenty years or something after Z. So just yeah, this wasn't that great. Hmm. Was that on uh, Tsunami? Um, I believe for a oh. time, yeah. I think they showed all the Dragon Ball shows on Tsunami. Oh, I see. Uh, but, but yet, I still have all those DVDs of GT. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a completionist. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, Alex always has questions. His first question is, what would a Dane-mobile and a Timurang look like? <laughs> a Timurang? What would a Timurang look like? I don't know, would this be like in the shape of my face or something? <laughs> or like my hairstyle or something? I don't know. Like, I yeah. don't have any like unique features to make it stand out. So. <laughs> it would be blue, I'll definitely say that, because blue is my favorite color and everything I, I have, I would like it to be blue. So <laughs> if I'm using batarangs, it'd be Would it blue. be in the shape of your face? Yeah, a blue batarang in the shape of my face. There you go. <laughs> um... A Daymobile. Um, huh. What would that look like, Tim? I know. I'm trying to think. What would a Daymobile look like? Would it be in the colors of the Oakland A's or like <laughs> like a toilet bowl like the Oakland Coliseum? <laughs> it would be in the shape of the Oakland Coliseum. Yeah, there, there you go. go. <laughs> um, <laughs> Alex's second question is, what element of Batman's character do you think that Batman thinks that Robin thinks that Alfred thinks he needs to work on improving. Wow. <laughs> I had to read that question a few times <laughs> to kind of get it, but... Uh, you know what? The Lego Batman movie kind of plays into that, I would think. You know, as I was talking about, I, 
Alfred and Robin, they try to get close to him, be the surrogate son and the surrogate father, but Batman pushes them away. And like we kind of see that in other stories, too, where Batman's always a loner, doesn't want to get be involved with people. So maybe just accepting a family, starting a family, maybe that would be one. It was definitely the case in the Lego Batman movie. So <laughs> in that scenario, that's definitely it. Uh, if you're talking about The Dark Knight Rises, I think, it, I mean, The Dark Knight trilogy, I think it's not be Batman uh, is... Yeah, that's what that is. So I'm I'm probably gonna say that. Yeah, you're definitely right on <laughs> Alfred. That's for sure. Uh, his third question is: Why do you like Nightwing? What did he ever do to you, huh? All he ever did for me was spit in my eye. Do you know what it's like to have a comic book character spit in your eye? It's comic book ink in your eye. It burns. Yeah, <laughs> oh, man, Alex. I didn't... I didn't realize you hated Nightwing this much <laughs> because of that incident. <laughs> I mean, how can you not like Nightwing, though? He's the first protege of Batman. I mean, first Robin, the one to be fully trained by Batman and to take it to the next level and be his own vigilante. He's funny. He's a great fighter. I mean, what's not to like about Dick Grayson and Nightwing? So I guess the only negative thing you could say was his uh, bad early costumes that he had <laughs> during the Teen Titans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I guess you could say that. Uh, maybe the ponytail? I don't know. Uh, ponytail's not too bad. Yeah, I guess. Maybe the mullet? Yeah. Oh, yeah, the mullet. <laughs> the the mullet. I, I, I totally forgot about the mullet. Um, but his fourth question and final question is, uh, when Batman says, I am the knight and I become the knight, what does he mean? That is a good question. And I believe he said that in the episode of the animated series called I Am the Knight, where he's talking to Dick. Um, I just think, you know, he's talking about, you know, he always says I Am the Knight, where he, he blends in with the darkness and the shadows that people or criminals don't expect and could be fearful of. So I just think he means he's taken, he's becoming fully what he is and playing into the fears that people have of Batman and he becomes full, fully into that and embraces it. So when he says, I am the knight, I became the knight. I think he was kind of talking like he became the legend that he built for himself and people fear of it. So that's what I take from yeah, him. Yeah, and I'd agree with you. He he becomes the legend he created. So, yeah, I definitely agree with you. So uh, Alex ends his email by saying, thank you guys. And also thanks to Jordan for giving feedback on my questions. I always appreciate it. Awesome. Well, thank you as always, Alex. And I got to say thanks to Alex too for he sent me a digital code for uh, the Spider-Man new comic series of uh, Renew Your Vows, which I read the mini series for it that came out I believe like a year or two ago, which was really really good. But I know they spinned off it to its own monthly series, so now I'll be able to check out the first issue. So thank you, Alex, for that. Where's mine, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> Have you read any Spider-Man comics, Dave? Uh, no, the last uh, Spider-Man comic I read was... Um, is it uh, Never... Oh, I forget. It was like Brand New Day, One More Day, those ones? It, it, it was a retcon. I, I can't remember what it was. Yeah, where they took away the Peter Parker and Mary Jane's marriage. Yeah, yeah. Well, what was okay. that called? One More Day? It was One More oh, Day. Yeah, yeah, One More Day. So it's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> Which was pretty controversial yeah, at the time, yeah. too. And pretty, it still is, too, yeah. 
I, I would like to see them get back together. That's what's great about Renew Your Vows because it's a story of what if their marriage continues and they have a daughter, but yet <laughs> Peter Parker is still Spider-Man. So it, it worked really good, which what makes that series. Why don't they just keep them together? I mean, everybody knows Mary Jane and Peter. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I'm so, I, I will give them credit. They haven't gone back to it yet because, yeah. you know, when they do things in comic books, they revert back to the old status quo not too long after. But it's stuck for about 10 years now. Yeah. So. <laughs> Got to give him props for that, at least. All right, and as always, Jordan sends us an email, too. And he says, hey, Tim and Dane, I really enjoyed your guys' conversation about favorite Batman stuff from 2016, so I thought I'd share mine. No surprise here, but my favorite writer was Tom King. I'll admit I was a little lukewarm on his first couple of issues, but not far into I Am Gotham, I came to absolutely love what he was doing, to the point that he is now one of my all-time favorite Batman stories. I really love his original characters of Gotham and Gotham Girl. I think he writes such excellent Batman dialogue. He really gets to the heart of the character, which I think was really evident in issue number six, in the scene where Batman reveals his secret identity to Gotham Girl. My favorite artist of 2016 was Inaki Miranda. I thought his work on the Catwoman title at the very end of the New 52 was incredible. I only wish he'd gotten more issues to work with before that title ended at the launch of Rebirth. For my favorite issues of 2016, I really want to pick Batman number 14. It is my all-time favorite single comic issue after all, but it technically was released on the first new comic book day of 2016. So I'll just have to wait until we do this again at the end of this year to give to give that issue props. Instead, I'll pick the aforementioned Batman number 6 as my favorite issue. I thought it was so powerful the way Gotham Girl talked to her brother as she fought crime around Gotham, and there were a bunch of great dealers villain cameos. And that final scene between Batman and Gotham Girl was nothing short of spectacular. It was so emotional, and it was one of the best examples of the caring side of Batman, where he helps someone not by fighting a criminal, but by opening up to them. For my favorite Batman moment of 2016, that's a really tough call. But in the comics and on film, there were a ton of memorable moments. But I think I gotta go with seeing Batman v Superman for the first time. Ben Affleck's portrayal of an older Batman was extraordinary. It was so excited seeing, uh, so exciting to see Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman on screen together for the first time, and we got three of the best Batman fight scenes ever committed to film. I just really loved the movie. I'm not going to go into the negatives for 2016 since I don't have very many. Overall, it was a great year for The Dark Knight, in my opinion. Yeah, like we said on that last episode, it definitely was. It was a big year for Batman, and I, I got to agree with you, Jordan, too, on the Gotham Girl moment with Batman, and you know that was that series or that uh, arc was hit and miss for me, but that one was definitely a miss that really made me appreciate it more than I probably originally would have if they didn't have that moment between Batman and Gotham Girl. That really was a great one. Batman had a few of those because that moment with him and Spoiler and Detective when they were talking about, or what you told him about Tim being dead, that was a great moment too. So Batman has had a few emotional moments in 2016, which is nice to see. And Jordan continues saying, I really agree with Tim about what's been happening on Gotham lately. I have give Goth- given Gotham a pass on having so many Batman villains pretty much in their full-fledged forms years before Bruce ever dons the cape and cowl. However, in season two, I really took issue with what they were doing with Jerome because one villain who I couldn't accept being around before Batman was the Joker. But I've since come around on him. Cameron Monaghan's performance is just so, so good that I can't help but give him a pass too. When it comes to the Joker, I prefer either the Killing Joke origin or for us not to know his origin story. Therefore, I'm not a fan of Jerome's progression to becoming the Joker, but now that he basically is, I have been so impressed with what they've done with him. 
I really liked his plan to turn out the power in Gotham and convince everyone to fulfill their darkest desires. His interactions with Bruce at the carnival were incredible. Along with Monaghan, David uh, Mazos, the kid who plays young Bruce, I don't know if I said his last name right, but uh, is one of the heavy is one of the very best actors on the show. Seeing the two of them portray one of their first confrontations between these two characters, who are destined to do this forever, was really a treat. The fact that it led to that incredible scene of Bruce telling Alfred, I would not kill, made it even better. Yeah, I totally agree, Jordan. I mean, I only talked about the first episode with uh, Jerome coming back and how much I liked his performance, but his second episode where he interacted with Bruce... Again, it's one of those things where, yeah, they shouldn't be doing this this early, like Jordan said, but they're doing it, so let's see how they portray it. And they portrayed it good. It was, it did feel like an early interaction between Joker and Batman. So, yeah, I agree with you, Jordan. you got to give props to both actors in that moment. It was pretty cool and a good way, too, to bring in Bruce's no-kill rule into the mix. So I'll give Gotham credit for working that in really good. And he continues saying, Speaking of Teen Titans, the Judas contract, I'm super excited for it. I never actually read the comic. I think I'm going to do so before the movie comes out, though. But I'm familiar with the storyline, as it was adapted in Season 2 of the original Teen Titans animated series. As of my writing this email, the trailer just came out for the film, and it looks fantastic. The action sequences look really fun, especially the ones with Deathstroke. It sounds like Miguel uh, Ferrer, rest in peace, did a fantastic job voicing him for the few lines we hear him speak in the trailer. Brother Blood and his followers seem super creepy, as they should. Dick and Damien have a really funny scene at the end. And they show just enough of Tara to get me pumped for this portrayal of her. I thought it was an excellent trailer, and it has got me even more excited for the film, which still doesn't have a release date yet. I'm curious to know you guys, curious to know your guys' thoughts on it. Also, have either of you seen the Justice League Dark trailer yet? Or, not the trailer, but the movie. I watched it and I thought it was very good, but I don't want to get into the details in case you have yet to watch it. Yeah, I haven't seen Justice League Dark yet. My brother saw it. He said it was really good. But the uh, T-Titans Judas Contract trailer, yeah, I agree. It was really cool. And I'm excited for this one because (laughs) half of it is because it was announced as the second movie <laughs> back in 2007 in the DC animated lineup and the fact that we're getting it now is really cool and like you Jordan I haven't read the actual comic but know its significance and kind of what it's about and it does sound like a cool story to see in a movie and yeah the trailer looks like it's going to be really fun but that sequence with Deathstroke uh, breaking into Dick's apartment <laughs> you know, they didn't show a lot of it but you know there's going to be a cool fight sequence between the two of them so I can't wait for it I think it looks really good did you get a chance to see the trailer, Dane? No, I haven't. Okay, yeah, yeah, definitely check it out. I know I've you know, been keeping up too much with the animated yeah. movies, but this one looks like it could be pretty cool. So, All right. And Jordan continues saying, I wanted to pitch in on one of, or on more of Alex's questions from the last episode. I've got to agree with both of you guys that sneaking up behind criminals is Batman's best infiltration technique. You're right. It is so much fun to do in the Arkham games. I also think about the clip from the LexCorp security footage in Batman v Superman where Batman drops down from the ceiling on that guard and snatches him up. So cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's the scene where I saw for the first time in the extended because like, why wasn't that in the movie? Because that was awesome. Uh, we continue saying, I would say that the best case that Batman has solved is figuring out who the Phantasm was in Mass of the Phantasm. That mystery was so compelling and we know how much it hurts Bruce to know that it was Andrea and not her father who was the murderer. That is a good choice, Jordan. Kind of wish I thought of it now. <laughs> uh, Phantasm was so great. 
the story-wise performances that like i said the mystery uh, it's so good <laughs> and he goes as for my favorite comic adaptions i'd probably go number three the dc animated universe number two young justice and number one the dark knight trilogy I know Tim, Mark, and I already had a pretty lengthy discussion about Batman 16 on Twitter, but I thought I'd elaborate on my thoughts on it here. So uh, I'll go ahead and I'm going to save this portion of your email, Jordan, for after I give uh, the review of Batman, because I think uh, some of the stuff <laughs> you mentioned will tie it together uh, with what I'm going to say on it. So uh, hold off on this part of your email. So we'll go to your questions first. Uh, he goes... His first one is, out of the rumored shortlist of directors to take over for Ben Affleck on the solo bat, Batfleck, Batflick, <laughs> who's your first choice? I just saw the account and I loved it. So Gavin O'Connor would probably be my pick. Plus, it probably wouldn't hurt that he has the past experience working with Affleck. I'll also throw in a name that's not on the shortlist that I'd love to see, that I'd love to see do it. David Fincher. He's another director who's worked with Affleck before. And I think the style of some of his past films could translate well into a Batman movie. Uh, well, those questions <laughs> look like we have our answer now, so not sure how relevant our choices would be. But I know Matt Reeves' name was thrown out pretty early on, even when Ben Affleck first announced it. And when I heard that, I go, yeah, that'd be someone I'd like to see, like I said, being a big fan of the Apes films. But I don't know, when people ask what actors or what directors you'd like to see, I'm never good at giving those because I just like to wait and see what officially happens and maybe it's because i'm not a big movie guy anyway i just see you know the genre stuff that i really into and i'm not too familiar with a lot of them but i don't know i never really had someone who i really had in mind that i wanted to see directed i kind of just waited to see who was out there and out of the mix of who i liked which ended up being matt reeves so i don't know was there anyone that came to your mind dane like when this all got announced if you'd like to see directed um if, if i could pick one director just big one? Yeah. Um, probably Gareth Edwards. I'd like to see him hmm. uh, do a, a Batman movie. He did a great job with Rogue One, I have to say. Yeah, I wouldn't complain about that at yeah. all. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, would have... Probably Gareth Just... Edwards for me. Even see him do like a superhero movie would be cool, even if it's not Batman. Yeah. <laughs> a good choice. And Jordan's second question is... I guess this is just for Tim, since Dane doesn't watch Arrow, but what are your first impressions of Lexa Doig's portrayal of, I think that's how you say her name, Lexa Doig? Doig? <laughs> so terrible with names. But uh, what her portrayal of Talia Al Ghul. I'm only caught up to her first full episode as of writing this email, which was episode 11, Second Chances, so I'm sure we'll see, have seen more of her by the time you record. But I have to say I'm loving what they're doing with the character so far. I think it's really cool the way she's helping Ollie in the flashbacks. The scene where she gave him his season one costume and said to him, you need to give the monster another identity. It's only once you become someone else, something else, that you're free to be Oliver Queen was so exciting. So, Jordan, I know we disagreed a lot on Tom King's Batman run, but I think everything you said in this email, I'm 100% with you on. Because, <laughs> yeah, I agree. Talia Al Ghul has been used pretty well at Arrow, and I was curious to see how they would use her on that. But it's cool that they're doing it in the flashback sequences and that she's kind of having the final part of being Oliver's mentor before he fully becomes the Green Arrow or the Hood, as he's called in season one. But fully embracing what he's going to be that we saw in season one because season five, the five years are up in the flashbacks that he was on the island. So we know he's going to be getting pretty close to where we met him on season one. And the fact that they're using Talia Al Ghul 
to be like kind of his final mentor, as I mentioned, I think is a really cool way in a different way to use her in the show. So yeah, I think it's been really good so far. Glad they brought that aspect into it. So I think it's been really cool. And he closes out his email by saying, as of my writing this email, the Lego Batman movie is coming out tonight. So I just wanted to say, I hope you guys enjoy it. And I'm eager to hear your thoughts on it. I'm super excited to see it. I think it's going to be hilarious. Best Jordan. Well, Jordan, it definitely was hilarious. <laughs> as uh, you heard in my review. So when you see it, I hope you enjoy it also. And that's going to do it for our listener emails. But before we fully... Uh, move on from uh, the listener feedback section. Just wanted to read a, a couple of tweets we got from our followers on Twitter regarding the Lego movie. Uh, we got one from Michael B. Cruz at Michael B. Cruz. He says, best Batman movie since the one with the parade and Prince music, which is a little <laughs> reference to the Lego Batman movie dialogue that they had about Batman 89, which is pretty funny. And then at Obi-Wan Kenobius, <laughs> I think I'm saying that right, he says, Lego Batman movie was really fun. We had a really good time seeing it with my wife and kids. Great jokes and references. So, yeah, seeing so many positive reactions to the Lego movie, which is awesome. And it's just cool to think that uh, I think it's going to be a pretty big hit and do good financially, that we can get a live-action serious Batman movie like we're eventually going to get with Ben Affleck. And then you just mix in a more different take, a more lighthearted comedic take with the Lego Batman movie or something like uh, the Batman uh, Return of the Cape Crusaders with the Adam West one. You mix all this stuff to get Batman movies uh, every so often. It's, I think it's great. It's the best of both worlds. You're pleasing a wide variety of the Batman fan base that's out, out there. And who's going to complain about getting different types of Batman movies more often than not? So I hope they continue this up where... Uh, not to oversaturate the Mark with Batman movies, but every now and then we get a couple of different ones here and there. So it's just a cool time for Batman fans that we're getting all this cool stuff that we could actually go into the theater and see. So it's a lot of fun. And with that, that'll take us into our comic reviews, which I'm going to say right off the bat, I'm going to apologize that uh, I only got one comic to review this episode had a pretty crazy week this past week where i couldn't get to my comic shop in time and pick up books like detective and i know all-star came out and wonder woman so for this episode we're only going to be talking about batman number 16 which was the only one i had a chance to read so apologize for that but thankfully it's it was a pretty good issue <laughs> so uh before i get into it as we always say gonna talk about spoilers i'm uh, not gonna hold anything back in this one so if you don't want to find out what happens in batman 16 if you have yet to read it you might want to hold off and before we get started gotta think of a good rating scale it's gotta be a good one because it's only one issue um, <laughs> so only gonna be using it once uh, how many uh comics tim didn't read <laughs> appropriate yeah, tim, ending, okay. tim ending i guess we'll go with yeah. that one so, Batman number 16, yeah, this is the best issue that Tom King has written for Batman in his run so far. I absolutely love this one. It, and it was starting off the I Am Bane arc, which is an arc I was hopeful for, like I said on the last episode. And it starts off with a bang, but not in the way I expected, because this issue was pretty darn hilarious. <laughs> and I'll tell you why in a moment, but the issue starts with uh, Batman looking at the psycho pirate who's locked up in Arkham. But he gets attacked, and it's by Bronze Tiger who kicks him in the back. 
but we knew he worked with Batman to capture the psycho pirate in the I Am Suicide story. You know, like, what the heck's going on? So he kicks Batman into the glass screen of the cell, and then he gets shot by a security guard. But then you see the security guard shoot uh, Jeremiah Arkham, but it turns out he didn't die. He just fainted, and the bullet just grazed him, so he's okay. So you're like, what's going on? Then Bronze Tiger punches the security guard. He punches Bronze Tiger back, about to shoot him. And then Batman takes out the security guard once and for all. So <laughs> you're trying to figure out who was the actual bad guy here, and it was the security guard. Uh, but they're, him and Bronze Tiger are still working together because they know Bane is going to do what he can to try to get the psycho pirate out and try to get Batman back for uh, beating him on the, his island and taking the psycho pirate from him. So they're expecting Bane to attack, and they're trying to do all they can to prevent him from breaking psycho pirate out and to be ready for him. But Bronze Tiger is like saying, you know, we didn't do anything tonight. We stopped one of his, you know, uh, hired guns, but, you know, he's still out there and he's coming. And so the next page, this is where the issue really is awesome. Uh, we get someone at a fast food joint dressed in a Batman costume because it's a restaurant called Bat Burger. Yes, a Batman-themed restaurant, which I wish was real. <laughs> and hopefully one day it will be. But it was a great parody on, you know, just you know marketing the Batman brand and using it to make money. And the best part of it all is Bruce is there with Duke and all the Robins, ex- unfortunately, except for Tim. And you just know this is going to be an uncomfortable moment for Bruce, which it was. And it was pretty awesome to read. It reminded me a lot, too, of the Batman Beyond episode where Terry takes uh, Bruce to that play of Batman, that musical, and Bruce just couldn't stand it, and he just ends up walking out. It was like Bruce was that way here, except he didn't walk out. He stayed and ate with uh, every all the Robins and Duke. But it was just funny seeing him interact with the cashier. He's all, would you like to jokerize your fries? And Batman's like, what? Like, he's a homicidal maniac. How can you have like something based off the Joker's? Oh well, it adds a special seasoning to it. It just curves, and the color is green and red. And Duke's like, just let it go, Batman. Just let it go. <laughs> like it was just funny. Then you see all the menu items at the restaurant. You got a Bat Burger, Bat Burger Deluxe. You got Batmite meals, Night Wings, Robin Nuggets, KGBLT, Riddle Me Fish, like uh, a poison, an Ivy Salad, and it says not poison on there. Those little funny jokes like that. It was pretty pretty funny i got a kick out of it but it continued on as bruce is meeting dick damien and jason they're eating at the restaurant and damien and jason are poking fun at each other and dick gets damien a happy meal and damien uh like i said jason are going at it and damien opens his box like there's there better not be a red hood toy in here and what does he get a red hood action figure <laughs> it was funny seeing him go about that and then Bruce, he starts talking to him, being serious, but then the panel will show he's eating his hamburger with a knife and fork, <laughs> and then Duke's just, like, dumbfounded by it. Like, is this really happening? Like, is he really eating this burger that way? And, like, Dick's like, I guess you haven't seen him do that yet. Everyone's all cool about it except Duke, but it was just funny. <laughs> it reminded me of that Seinfeld episode where... Um, Elaine sees her boss, Mr. Pitt, eating a Snickers bar with a knife and fork, and then George eats a donut with a knife and fork, and you see other people eating cookies with a knife and fork. It reminded me of that, but it was funny. But everyone's kind of having fun and joking around, but Bruce is being serious. He basically tells him he wants them all to leave Gotham, because he knows Bane's coming, and he's going to be hunting for everybody here, so he wants to keep them all safe. And I just like how he tells him just go on vacation i don't care where you go just leave and protect yourself especially after what happened with tim he goes he only has a few days i believe to get psycho pirate 
to get Gotham Girl back to normal, and he needs, you know, to focus on that. And he doesn't want anything to happen to anyone else. He says, like I said, especially after with Tim. So, Damien, Dick, and Jason, they're all, yeah, there's no way we're doing that. He's like, so we're staying here, right, guys? And they're all, yeah, and we'll do what we got to do. But Duke, being the new guy, he's all like, no, like we can't just ignore Batman. We got to do what he says. I like how they played off where it's just showing how he's not familiar with how things go just yet. And he's kind of being the good student, doing whatever Bruce wants him to do. And like Dick even says, like ignoring Batman is pretty much the defining quality of being a Robin. And Duke brings out, well, I'm not a Robin and I'm not dying. Like you guys do what you got to do, but I'm listening to Batman. And you know, Dick like casually said, you know what? smart kid he's probably doing things the smart way and we're not but they can't change who they are so that whole sequence of them at the bat burger diner was just hilarious and just great interaction between all the characters and the best writing and dialogue i think tom king's had for all these characters and i know jordan says he likes the dialogue he's given batman but that's been my biggest issue uh with tom king and but he nailed it in this one the way bruce interacted with everyone here was just great then we get another nice moment between him and catwoman on the top of gcpd as she lit the signal and he was expected to see Gordon, but it was just Catwoman. And he kind of tells her the same thing he told the Robins, where you got to get out of here. If Bane knows you're here, he's going to come and kill you after what you did. But Catwoman's not going to just turn and run either. So, But the cops, like Gordon comes, and they try to arrest Catwoman, but she runs away. And Gordon just tells Batman, like, how you didn't do anything? You could have, like, helped capture her. And Batman just leaves, saying, you're right, I could have. You know, if he's still feeling... Uh, the aftermath, I guess, of what happened with, with him and Catwoman at the rooftop storyline, which is good that it's still going on in this issue. So the issue ends with uh, Bruce and Alfred. She's going to take uh, Gotham Girl to her first session uh, with the Psycho Pirate to try to get her fixed. And Alfred, see, this is another good thing, which was an improvement too, where Alfred's dialogue was good here too, which was another character I felt has been written well. But him and Bruce had a nice little exchange here where Bruce asked Alfred, for how getting uh, Gotham Girl into the car. And Alfred's all like, uh, I think I need to get my hearing checked. Did you just ask me for help? <laughs> like, I'm sure it's a mistake on my part. And Bruce is all, I said, may need your help. <laughs> so good, funny dialogue between that. And as they go down the elevator to the Batcave, you just see Gotham Girl's face turn into terror, and she just starts screaming. And then when you turn the page on the final panel, it shows Damien, Dick, and Jason the Red Hood mask hanged, um, just hanged up dangling in the back cave and on each of their bodies it says i am bane now obviously it's meant to be a cliffhanger thinking that bane's killed uh, damien dick and jason but i'm sure it's gonna end up being just other people he probably dressed up in their costumes and just wrote that on there just to scare batman so but it was still a good effective way to show that bane means business <laughs> in this story arc so it was really good is that it was mainly funny. I just love the interactions of Batman and all the Robins and Duke at that diner. It is really cool. and But yet, also still setting the stage up in a cool way for Bane to come and get Batman. So this issue, or the story arc, is off to a great start, and I can't wait for more. So I'm going to give this one four and a half out of five comics that Tim and Dane weren't able to read by this episode. Wow, so a good Tom King issue, then. Yeah, he's he's been on a good run. Yeah. This is the third issue I've really enjoyed. But this one is heads above being the best for the ones I've read for me personally. So I I really liked it. So is this going to be the um, is this going to be the step in the right direction, Tim, for Tom? It definitely is. Yeah, I hope these the step has been made. I just hope it continues. Okay. Good. <laughs> um, yeah. So so I guess that's it, right, Tim? 
Yeah, that's All it. Right. I'll throw the outro to you. Yeah, don't just, just go over to BatmanUniverse.net, Facebook.com slash BatmanUniverse, Twitter handles at BatmanUniverse, our show's Twitter handles at BatfansPodcast. Uh, Tim's Twitter handle is at TimG. 311 and <laughs> my Twitter <laughs> you kept me in suspense there for a bit <laughs> and my Twitter handle is at Dane says banana um, email the show at, at sorry and you can email the show at badfanswithoutcast at gmail.com so with that like we say at the end of every single episode you've ever done yeah. Yeah. with all of our hearts so with that See you guys next time. Sunday.